0: Today we will speak about dukkha nirota ariya the noble truth of the cessation of Dukkha. We ought to make a correct understanding of each of these words until each word is clear and precise, and then this the whole matter that we're discussing will be understood quite clearly and simply. And we should never forget to, for a proper perspective, to remember the, the framework of the Arya Satcha. What is it? From what? For what? And by what means? And so now we've come to the third of the Ariyasatya, which is, for what purpose? What is the purpose of the Noble Truths? So if, when we come to the word Nirota, obviously there has to be something about this which is of value and benefit for human beings. And so we need to, to examine this, this matter in the meaning of word nirota until we understand its, its value thoroughly. However, when we ble- when we translate nirota as extinction or cessation, which are the most common translations, then it, it may sound like something that doesn't have much value. And so we're not very convinced that these are appropriate translations we would like to consider this matter quite carefully literally in the pali language nirota means to to go out without any remainder to go out so that there's no remainder left there's nothing to go out with nothing left over. In this is quite different with a kind of temporary going out where something ceases to exist temporarily. In Pali, there's a completely different word for that. atankama. Atankama is a temporary ceasing or temporary not existing. When something doesn't exist for a while, it's called tankama. That not existing is tankama, but then a while later it comes back, it exists again. That temporary kind of going out is not what is meant by nirota. With nirota there's nothing <clears throat> remaining whatsoever, and so there's nothing to come back. An easy example of the, of a tankama is, it's used for the sun. For human beings, the sun arises in the morning, and then it goes out, it sets in the evening, and to the human being it's gone, but then in the morning it comes back again. That, that kind of setting of the sun, a temporary going out is called a tankama which is different than nirota which is complete and final so atankama means that right now it's not existing not ex- atankama means not existing at the present moment but then it can very easily come back later this meaning this temporary kind of non-existence or cessation is not what is meant by nirota. Nirota is where is the whatever it is has gone out completely whatever we're talking about it's gone out completely so that nothing is left over or but be careful what it means nothing of that thing is left over. However, there are other things that remain. That thing itself now has gone out completely and none of it remains, but certain results will remain. Certain fruits of its having gone out will remain. So when we talk of dukkha, we we feel that the word quenching is probably much more appropriate, much more fitting the meaning of nirota, that dukkha quenches, and then none of the dukkha is, is left, but there is certain, certain benefits or certain results which remain, but the dukkha has been totally quenched. We'd like you to, to consider this to those of you who are native speakers of English, can help us to see if this might not be a more correct translation for nirota. Another point about nirota, which will be somewhat difficult for you all to understand, is that nirota is a datu. Dantu can be translated element, but it has a suggestion of the word potential, that which can be, that which can function. Everything in the universe is nothing but, but elements. Everything is made up of elements and everything is nothing but elements. And we can, all the kinds of elements fit into three basic kinds. There's rūpa-dhatu, means elements that have form, which are material elements. And then arūpa-dhatu, immaterial elements, non, non-physical elements. And then nirota-dhatu, the element of quenching, the quenching element. All the other datus, all the rupa and arupa, the material and immaterial datus, are quenched when they come into contact with Nirota Datu. All those other elements go out. They're quenched by Nirota Datu. This is an important thing to try to understand about Nirota, that it is one of the elements. And it is the element which is the quenching or the, the quenching place for all, all other datus for all other elements, whether physical or immaterial. Although it may be a bit strange and new for you, it is quite valuable to, to put some, pay attention to the word Datu because everything is a datu. Another another possible translation by the way of datu is is being in itself, the the essential being of 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 something within itself, not not within other things. So everything is nothing but datus. Even Nibana. There's such we can there's a thing called Nibana Datu Nibana Datu which is the element of cooling or the cooling element. Often Nibbana is used as a synonym for nirota and vice versa. But we can make a slight distinction. Nibana is the cool the cooling that is a result of nirota. When something is quenched, when there is the quenching element, then there will be the, the result of that will be a cooling of Nibbana. In the language of Dhamma, Datu, the elements, are a very important way of of looking at, of understanding things. And so it would do us well to begin to understand what is meant. What may be hard for us to understand is that this, by datu, we mean something that exists naturally. It's it's just there in nature. And when any other element comes into contact with it, that thing, whatever has come into contact, quenches and then cools. So, by datu we mean just something existing in nature, through itself, by, in nature of itself. And in the case of Ni nirotha dhatu, nibbana dhatu, anything that comes into contact with it then quenches, and after, by quenching, then it, it is also cooled. This word, dhatu, of course, isn't the same as the English word element is used in terms of the physical elements, the chemical elements. It's not quite the same meaning, but we haven't found a better translation yet than the word element. For example, the fire element is something which exists in nature, the element of fire and it has a quality of burning. And so whenever anything comes into contact with the fire element, then it starts to burn. It's the same with This This quenching element exists naturally. When anything touches, comes into relationship or touches the nirota datu, then that thing is quenched and, and cooled. Speaking in this way may be somewhat new for us, but it's the spiritual way of studying. To, to study things in terms of datu is a spiritual way of studying nature and life. So, when both the, when both dukkha itself, the dukkha element, and the samudaya element, the cause of dukkha, whether dukkha itself or the cause, when these come in contact with the nirota element, they are quenched. They're both quenched. So dukkha comes into contact with nirota datu, and then dukkha, quenches, dukkha goes out. And then if any of the causes or origins of dukkha come into contact with this element, then they are quenched. So if ignorance comes into contact with this element, ignorance is quenched. Or when attachment, upadana, comes into contact with it, it is quenched. When craving, comes into contact with the nirotidhattu craving is quenched. And the sankara, all that that proliferating and concocting, comes into contact with this element, it is quenched. So dukkha itself, all the causes and origins of dukkha, when they come into contact with nirotidhattu, they are quenched. And none of these things remain. And there's nothing left over of these things, but there is a certain result left, which is the Nibbana Dhatu, the coolness, the coolness that remains after all these things have been quenched. And There is another thing associated with Nirota Dhatu. When there is this quenching, when these when dukkha and the causes of dukkha have been quenched, along with that there is the the quality or the the activity of liberating of emancipating and this emancipation and liberation is called vimutti vimutti and so included within nirotadatu is also the 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 implication or the the activity of liberation, emancipation. And so when we speak of dukkha nirota ariya sacha, we're talking about quenching, cooling, and liberating all together. Quenching, cooling, and liberating are all included within dukkha nirota. Sometimes the word quenching is appropriate, sometimes the word cooling is appropriate, and sometimes the word liberating is appropriate, depending on what we're experiencing at this moment. We use whichever one is most fitting for the situation, whatever suits our experience. Nowadays Buddhist studies almost exclusively translate Dukkha nirota as the extinction, as extinction. They translate nirota as extinction and some as cessation. And what seems to be understood here is that then nothing is left, everything is extinguished. And so we suggest that the word quenching is more appropriate because although none of the dukkha remains, there is the result of of coolness, which does remain. And so we feel that quenching much much more appropriately captures the meaning here. Please consider this and see if, if this is the proper word for nirota. Whether you are aware of it or not, whether you've observed it or not, there are times when our mind, our heart, is with the nirotadhatu. There are sometimes when, when the mind is most at ease, most at peace, when it's most cool and free, then the mind is with nirotadhatu. We may not, we may not have observed this, we may never have been aware of it, <clears throat> but there are moments when the mind isn't all busy and crazy. When it's with this quenching element. Please, please learn to observe this. Start to observe this, and then we have the chance to learn what Nirota element is about. There are those times when the mind is above and beyond positive and negative. And when positive and negative are quenched, then the mind is with the nirota element. In relation to this word, we should use the word experience. Nirota is to be to be experienced. And so whenever there is no craving, whenever the mind is free of craving, when craving has been put out. Then there is, there is Nirota. Nirota is, the Nirota of Dukkha means most specifically the, the quenching of craving. When the mind is quenched, that means there's, it has no desires, none of this craving. And so it's totally at ease and peace. It's not in any conflict or contradiction with reality. This is what we mean by dukkha nirota, the quenching of, of craving. Even if it just happens accidentally, even if it's merely a coincidence that, that dukkha is quenched, we still can call that nirota datu, or nirota. If dukkha quenches, Or if the, the craving, the attachment, the defilements, the concocting, which is the cause of dukkha, even if these things go out coincidentally, and we're not really, we're not even aware of it, that is still nirota. However, if we're not aware of it, we don't have the opportunity to learn anything of value, and so we overlook the importance of this. But this is our opportunity to, to learn about what Nirota is, to wherever dukkha quenches, whenever there is the quenching of defilements, of craving, of attachment, of, of the concocting and proliferating, right there is the opportunity to experience and learn about nirota, dukkha-nirota. Why is it that we like so much to go to the beach and stay at the beach or, or go into the mountains? If we look very deeply into the nature of what's happening, we'll see that insert in these kinds of places. It is generally much easier for the mind to experience Nirotadhatu. Now, we may not have realized this consciously, but these certain places provide surroundings that may give much more opportunity for Nirotadhatu to appear to the mind. Now, if we're, if we're careless or foolish, we don't use these opportunities and we just get lost in various kinds of pleasures and stimulations. But if we look on a deep level, we can see that some of these settings or environments provide a much easier opportunity for the mind to, to experience Nirotam quite unfortunate that nowadays all these places are not, they're not set up anymore to help one to experience nirveda-datu. They're all set up in the opposite way for other kinds of things, in a way that kind of prevents or obstructs the opportunity to to experience this quenching. This is a quite unfortunate situation, the way most of the, these places now are, are operated. If we examine carefully, we'll see even that the instincts, that our own instincts have a tendency towards Datu. Even our instincts, in their own way, realize the value and importance of this quenching element. And so, all the time, they're looking for the rest, the peace that comes with quenching. You can even see it in puppies, how they, the need, the instinctual need for rest, for peace. This is something that deserves our attention. So it is that we must study and become familiar with, get to know and understand nirotadhatu. We must provide opportunities for our minds to, to get to know and to understand, to experience fully nirotadhatu. So this is enough of an introduction to Nirota. And now we'll speak about the the third noble truth directly. We'll speak directly about the Nirota itself. When the Buddha, after the awakening, spoke for the first time about the noble truths, when he came to Nirota, he said. The remainderless quenching of, of raka. Rakha is lust, but it's here used as a synonym for craving. So the quenching of craving so that nothing remains. And then Jaka, which is to give, give things up, is to give up. And then bhati nitsaka, which has the meaning of giving away, but giving it back to its original owner, giving back to the original owner, meaning nature. And then mutti, which has the meaning of, of release or freedom, which has basically the same meaning as vi liberation, emancipation and then the last is analaya alaya it means without alaya alaya is to is to think back on or to reminisce about to long for so this means now that the the crave the craving and desire has been quenched there's no more longing for the the object. Often so not only is all the the craving quenched, but any longing for whatever it is. It's been completely given up, returned to its owner, and there's no longing for it anymore. This is the meaning of Analaya. An easy example is when a husband and wife divorce. They no longer live together, but it's it's very difficult for the longing to, to finish. This longing, of course, is not for the future. It's a longing for the past. That alaya is that sense of, of that something we once had is now gone and, and feeling the lack of it and longing for it. In Nirota, this, this alaya is also quenched. And so, asesa, raka-nirotap, means the quenching of, of basically attachment with without any scraps, any pieces or bits left over. Raka, remember, is this dying of the mind, which as Essentially, the same meaning of danha, craving, and upadana, attachment. So, here, the complete quenching of attachment so that none of it remains, none of the attachment remains. And then next, jaka, padhinitsaka, muti have very close meanings. It means that we must rely upon mindfulness to be right on time at the moment of contact with something. As soon as any sense object makes contact with the mind, mindfulness must be right there in order to... And then we use that mindfulness to to let go, to... to to give up and let go of whatever, whatever it is. So for jaka giving up, Biniitsaka, returning to the rightful owner, giving back to the rightful owner, and Muti becoming free. All of these sati mindfulness is, is crucial. Then we come to the one that's, that's a little more difficult, analaya. For analaya, samadhi and wisdom, panya, must be, must be sufficiently strong. Samadhi is the mind's, must be pure enough, stable enough, and active enough to be able to not not long back for whatever it was. So this takes sufficient samadhi, as well as sufficient wisdom. So when we act in this way, then there's nothing left of craving. Craving is quenched. And then there is coolness. And this, to live in this way, of course, one needn't die. This is a kind of active living. This is an activity of living, this quenching that we're talking about. There's no need to die, and it has nothing to to do with death. There's life, and in life, all craving, all attachment, all dukkha has been quenched, and there remains a a life of coolness. So earlier, we discussed how dukkha arises from attachment to the five khandhas, and we've explained how by quenching that attachment, then dukkha is quenched. So the most perfect or complete meaning of the word nirota, quenching, is quenching The attachment in the quenching the attachment regarding the five khandhas. This quenching must start with the quenching of ignorance, and then craving quenches, and then upadana attachment quenches. This is this is quenching this is how quenching must be for it to be complete. And as we mentioned, there is the very important synonym of nirota. This synonym, of course, is nibbana, which means cooling or coolness. Nibbana can be understood on many levels. There's ordinary meanings of the word, as well as the highest meaning of the word. When there is the perfect quenching of dukkha, so that no dukkha remains, we call that Nibbana. The perfect quenching is called Nibbana. But the ordinary kind of quenching, or the ordinary, I'm sorry, the, the perfect coolness, is nibana but the ordinary coolness that an ordinary person can experience this we use a somewhat different word though it has the same derivation the word nibuti nibuti is something that any anybody can experience in in ordinary life nibuti means basically a cool life this so there's the highest meaning which we can call Nibbāna, and then there's a more ordinary common meaning which is Nibhūti. In Thai we have a, a word for this which is just a cool heart and mind, a cool heart and mind. This is what is meant by Nibuti. It's when the mind is at ease, it's relaxed. It's peaceful in a way that has nothing to do with the defilements. When the mind feels good in a way that's unconnected to defilement, this is what we mean by nibuti. You can even just call it having a good time. If it's having a good time, but without any defilements present, that's what we mean by nibbuti. Everybody likes or everybody loves this nibuti. Whenever the mind has some it, it really enjoys it. But nobody knows the name of it, so we thought we'd we'd let you know. Everybody really goes for this nibuti even though the name of it isn't known. It's we're not sure exactly how to translate it into English. But it basically has the same meaning as Nibbāna, only that Nibbāna is complete and perfect. It's, it's final, whereas Nibhūti is temporary, it's, it's not yet perfect, but it has the same basic meaning of, of coolness. We can call it cool life or cool living. If it's If it's not yet complete and perfect, we call this cool living, nibuti. But if, if the cool living is complete and perfect, then we call it nibbana. This is the meaning of, of nirota. When all, when all craving and attachment has been quenched, then there is cool living either in the, the incomplete or the complete form. Now, let's be helpful for us to know some more about perfect Nibbāna, perfect coolness. When, when the defilements of greed, hatred, and delusion have been cooled completely, when none of the defilements remain, in even the least way. But still the mind discriminates between positive and negative. This is the first aspect or first stage of of Nibbana. Then when the defilements have been cooled completely, there's no greed, hatred or delusion remaining in, in the least way. And the mind has no, no feeling or sense of positive and negative. That is the, the second aspect or stage of Nibbāna. The first one, where there's no defilement, the mind is completely cooled, but there's still this positive and negative. This is called sa upadi sesa Nibbāna. Nibbana with a little, a little bit left, little fuel remaining, meaning the positive and negative. But then when there's no defilement and no positive, no negative, this is called Anupadi Sesa Nibbana. Nibbana without any of that fuel, any of that positive and negative remaining. To make it a little more concise, the first kind is when the mind still experiences positive and negative but that positive and negative cannot concoct the self cannot concoct self or ego in the second kind the mind doesn't experience positive or neg- and negative at all and so of course no no self could get concocted. So this is why we call it new life, the the life that is beyond the world, that is above the world, or lo gutara. Let's talk about nirota some more. There's different kinds of nirota. There's the kind of nirota where where craving is quenched, we could say, accidentally or coincidentally. There are times when, when because of the objects or the surroundings we're in, the situation around us, it makes it impossible for craving to arise. Sometimes our situation makes it impossible so that craving doesn't happen to us. So that's one kind of nirota, coincidental nirota. It's coincidental depending on circumstances. It has nothing to do with our own effort or wisdom. Then there's the second kind, which comes from our own practice, where we we control the mind, we supervise the mind, so that. Craving doesn't arise. This quenching of craving through our own effort in practice is a second kind of nirota. And then there's a third kind where, where all craving has been quenched completely. So there's not any possibility that any craving would arise again. All craving, attachment and ignorance have been quenched. this is perfect quenching this we no longer have to actively practice as before now it's it's automatic quenching this this third kind of quenching this perfect quenching is the quenching of the arahant the the awakened being the perfected human being Anapanasati, mindfulness with breathing, will enable us to discover and experience all three types of quenching through when, if we live with anapanasati, if if we exist with anapanasati, then it's quite easy for the spontaneous, coincidental quenching to take place it will happen quite quite often and then through anapanasati we are more and more able to quench things through our own practice we have the abil- the knowledge the understanding and the ability in in stronger ways And then anapanasati gives us the possibility to to get rid of the defilements, so so that there is the the complete and perfect quenching. So all three kinds of quenching can be experienced through anapanasati. completely explain how anapanasati leads to these three kinds of quenching would, would take quite a bit of time. To explain the methods and all that of anapanasati would take more time than we have. So we'll, we'll leave that for another time. But now we'd like to talk about some of the, the, the tricks we use in, in, in dealing with, with this situation. First of all, in dealing with, we don't attack the situation head-on. We don't struggle head-on, but we come at things from the back. We kind of sneak up on the problem from behind. We don't, we don't just plow right in straight at the problem. We, we sneak up on it from behind. What this means is, we don't, we don't get in there and struggle with dukkha straight on, but we, we sneak around behind and remove the cause of dukkha. To get in there and fight it out with dukkha is a real hassle and it's, it's not very successful. Our, the trick we use is to get there behind it and remove the cause. This is much more exquisite and it works much better, To We've got a, a nice phrase in Thai that we'd like you to learn, because it explains this point quite well. 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 It's a proverb. Aumai-san-ran-ki. <laughs> <coughs> right. Which, in a crude way, it has a rather crude meaning, and so I'll translate it with some rather crude English words, which means to hit shit, with a short stick. To hit shit with a short stick. Key is, is feces or, or anything that's really dirty and stinking up the place. If we take, and if it's to clean it up, we've got to get rid of it. If we do that with a short stick, this means like they used to use sticks to scrape, scrape the toilets or to to clean up the manure around the place. If you use a short one, it makes a real mess and you you end up covering yourself with all this feces as you try to clean it up. It makes a real mess and stinks up the place. It's much better to use a long stick and then you yourself don't get dirty. So attacking dukkha straight on is to take a short stick to beat shit, but we suggest the skillful means of using a long stick. It's much easier, it's much cleaner, and we don't suffer so much. And then, even better than that, if you want to really be good at this, is don't let it shit at all so this means is <clears throat> you don't have to you don't have to put up with dukkha we don't have to fight with dukkha just quench it at its cause quench it at the source and origin there's no need to go through a lot of dukkha to to suffer through it and go through all the hassles but learn how to quench Dukkha at its source. This is the trick we use. So now we'd like to mention cer- certain synonyms of dukkha nirota because this make these will help us to understand dukkha nirota quite easily. The first is to, to calm all concoctions. To calm all concoctions. In Pali, all the, all, all the meanings, all aspects of con, the concocting, when this is to quench, to calm this, is one, one aspect of, or one synonym of dukkha nirota. The second is to throw away all the burdens, just take all the burdens and chuck them out, chuck them away. This means all the, the burdens here, means the, the five khandas that are attached to. This means attaching, clinging to the, the five khandas is I in mind. To take all this heaviness, the heaviness and burden of all that attachment, and just throw it away. This is a second synonym. In Pali, it's sabhupadi pati nitsako. The third one is danha kayo. Kayo means to end. So it's the ending of craving. To make craving end. To end craving. Then virak, virako, This means the f- fading away of all that, all that, whatever dies the mind. This attachment and everything that dies the mind that dissolves and fades away until none of it is left, there's nothing dying the mind anymore. When the rākā has faded away, this is virako And then next the word nipanang, nipanang, the last synonym of of dukkha nirota, the quenching of dukkha is nipanang. To make it cool, to make everything cool. So, both physically, mentally, and spiritually, there's no aches, no pains, no problems, no hassles, no dukkha. Make everything cool. This is nibanang, the last synonym of nirota. So, these, once we understand the meanings of these words, the meaning is quite, quite beautiful. It's a quite beautiful sounding thing. So sometimes we just repeat these these words to ourselves. Sābhā-saṅkāra-samato Sābhūpati-pāti-nitsakho tanha kayo Nirako ko niro These words have an excellent meaning. And it's possible to take this as a meditation, to take this as the object of the, the calm, clear mind. When the mind is calm and clear, it can put its attention and work on these things internally, bring this into the mind and, and work on it within the mind. When th- we do this, it's called dhamma. Samadhi, to to concentrate on Dhamma, but concentrate here not in a tense way, but with a, a still, calm, clear mind. In the Pali, the Pali text, the Buddha calls it Dhamma Samadhi, but now nobody talks about it anymore. But it's possible to take, take these synonyms, or take, take nirota itself as an object of meditation. However, in practice, the fourth stage or the fourth part of anapanasati is this kind of dhamma Samati. It doesn't go by this name, but in practice, it has the same effect, the same result, to take quenching as the object of meditation. So this, this is, is basically included within anapanasati. You can go to Burma, Sri Lanka, India, Nepal, or, or wherever, and wherever you go, you will never hear about this Nobody will be talking about Dhamma, Samadhi. It may sound strange, but one can take Nibbana as the object of meditation, to take Nibbana itself as the thing to, to work on within the mind. This is, and in anapanasati, this is actually done, although it goes by a. It just goes by the name Anapanasati, but it has this Dhamma Samadhi included, where we actually the mind actually takes Nibbana as its object of study in contemplation. So to to concentrate the mind upon, to to gather the mind upon fully and focus it completely upon coolness upon the the quenching. This this is what we mean by Dhamma samadhi, We can do it anywhere. We don't have to go anywhere to do this kind of of Dhamma concentration. Concentration upon on Dhamma. Or if we we speak in a quite ordinary way for ordinary people, we can just say aim for peace, aim for peace, or set your sights on calmness, set your sights on calm. Whatever we do, aim for calm. Find what is calm and peaceful in any kind of thing we do. This is something that anybody can practice in any situation. We can, we can aim for the peace and the calm that can be found within that that activity, that situation, that thought, whatever. Nowadays, people around the world love to talk about peace and talk about making a peaceful world and these kind of things. But it never happens. There's a lot of talk about it in meetings, but it's never actually happening anywhere because people don't know anything about dukkha Nirota. People don't understand and they aren't even interested in quenching the certain things that need to be quenched, quenching ignorance, quenching craving, quenching attachment regarding the five khandhas. People don't understand anything about the quenching of dukkha. So then all the talk about peace and a peaceful world and peacefulness, doesn't really lead anywhere because people don't don't know how to to do the quenching that is necessary for peace. One last thing we'd like to to mention is what in Pali is called Upaya. Upaya which is often translated skillful means. In Thai we can translate it as clay which means to make it easier, make it faster, make it most efficient and successful. And we can actually use the English word trick for this. So we'd like to talk about another trick or upaya. And this, this, we can, in, in another metaphor for this is to I'm having trouble translating this one but to take salt put (laughs) salt into the salt something like this salt into the salt Uh Jim is like if you take your donut and you dip it into coffee (laughs) or something a french fry and you put it dip it into sauce so to take dip the salt into the salt take salt and dip it into the salt this is the trick we use to to deal with this our situation of dukkha this means to to take dukkha and dip it into dukkha use dukkha to solve dukkha or we can say use use danha to solve danha mm-hmm use craving to get rid of craving use use craving to remove craving this is a trick we can use or another another idiom for this is to use thorns to pick out the thorn if you step on a thorn and it gets stuck in your foot and then breaks off it's very hard to get out we can take Two more thorns and then stick them in along the first one and pull out the first thorn so use a thorn to pick out to (laughs) dig out the thorn this is what we mean by dip the salt into the salt or use dukkha to get free of dukkha Use danha to get rid of, use craving to get rid of craving. This is a trick that we can use quite mm-hmm. successfully. What we must observe is that it's a different kind of salt that we use. It's, we don't use the same salt. There's this salt and we bring in another kind of salt to, to dip in. Or, We don't, to get that thorn out, we have to take another thorn to dig it out. So when we talk about using dukkha to get free of dukkha, using craving to get free of the, get rid of the craving, it's a different kind of craving. It's not to use the same old craving, but to use a a new, a different kind of craving to get rid of the old stuff? No. So notice, although the name is the same, the meaning is different. Salt and salt, thorn and thorn, craving, craving. The names are the same, but the meaning is different. It's a different kind of salt, a different kind of thorn, a different kind of craving. So then, when it comes to using craving to get rid of craving we don't use that this this new craving is means something else we can use the word danha, but we mean something different with it. we just mean a certain new kind of want or a different kind of want the old kind of want that blind craving that comes from ignorance is, is nothing but trouble. So we, we're going to use a, a different kind of want or desire, or what we can call aspiration. Aspiration, the desire to be better, the desire to do better, to be better, to use this to solve the problem of Dhanha. So it's, we use the same name but there's an important difference in the meaning. We can't use that same old problem to solve the problem, but there's something similar, which we can even give the same name, that can help us to solve the problem. Within dukkha, there is the quenching of dukkha. The Arising in existence of dukkha always contains within it the quenching of dukkha. They're not in separate places. Dukkha and the quenching of dukkha are always together. This means that if we look carefully into the dukkha, we'll find, we'll discover the means to quench the dukkha. This means dukkha will teach us how to quench it. If we understand dukkha thoroughly, within that will be the knowledge of how to quench it. So within dukkha is the quenching of dukkha. If we study carefully, if we are honest and open and sensitive, then dukkha will teach us how to quench dukkha. So this is the meaning of using a thorn to dig out the thorn. Let study things properly, study dukkha properly, and it will teach teach us the way to be completely free of all dukkha. Study the problem and it will provide the answer. It's the same as with a fire. Wherever there is a fire, within it is the quenching, the going out of the fire. How are you going to find, where will you find the, the quenching of the fire if not in the fire itself? If the fire's here and we go looking for the quenching of the fire over there, we'll never find it. The only way to see the quenching of the fire is right there in the fire. We can't look for it anywhere else, and same, the same with dukkha. The quenching of the dukkha is in the dukkha. To look for the quenching of dukkha somewhere else is an endless, foolish, impossible journey. The, the end of dukkha, the quenching of dukkha, is always right in the middle of the dukkha. So we actually ought to be quite thankful. We ought to have a great bit of gratitude towards dukkha that it teaches us dukkha keeps teaching us and making us smarter and wiser if we're so we ought to be thankful that dukkha teaches us in this way the only way the only place to see the end of dukkha is in dukkha itself there's we have a pond at suan Which is meant to symbolize what we're talking about now. It's called the sa-nalige. The, the, it represents, it's a single coconut tree in the middle of the sea of, of burning wax. And this symbolizes nibbana is in the middle of dukkha. The only place to find Nibbana is in Dukkha. This is an important trick to Dhamma practice, for us to sublimate craving. There's all this craving in our lives, and if we can learn to sublimate it, to redirect it into aspiration, and then use that aspiration to get free, of Danha to eliminate Danha. Danha itself will just fight back and forth. So to try and fight Danha with Danha would just be a lot of conflict. But to sublimate the Danha and use aspiration, this is a trick that will free us of, of dukkha. So we we put out the fire in the fire. We find Nirvana in dukkha. We use, we, use, we, we use craving to eliminate craving. And so finally we say, thank you dukkha, thank you dukkha, thank you dukkha that you have made us smarter and wiser. Thank you dukkha that you have created the Buddha. Thank you, Dukkha, because if it wasn't for Dukkha, the Buddha, the one who completely understood and awakened to the end of Dukkha, would have never arisen in the world. So thank you, Dukkha. This may sound a little bit optimistic, but it's a healthy way to look at things. So when Dukkha arises, welcome it properly, and we'll be able to... To quench dukkha, and so the matter of dukkha nirodha ariya satya, the noble truth of the quenching of dukkha, is now is now finished, and we end today's talk at this time.